welcome Faith Promise, whether it's your Blount County. They're absolutely torching it over there, by the way. Many of you know, but just in case, we've talked a lot more about it at the Blount County campus. But after student camp, which begins this next Sunday, uh, Matt Grimes, who's a student pastor at Pellissippi, will become, when we come back from camp, he'll be uh, the campus pastor at Pellissippi. And Zach, which is the uh, Blunt campus student pastor, will move to Pellissippi to be the student pastor. So pray for those guys. Both of those campuses, both of those ministries, as we'll be in transition when we come back. But camp begins next Sunday, and Michelle and I love to go to camp with the students, and, and I always get a chance to speak to them, and it's a great time. Matter of fact, we've done two camps this year to make sure that, that all of our students can go. Now, there's a lot of students who need scholarships. And if you grew up in church, you know a great place to experience God is a student camp. I've seen a lot of students saved, a lot of students called, a lot of students transformed at student camps. So it rocks. And so when this service is over, if you could do a scholarship for a student to camp, if you'll go out when this, not now, but when the service is over, uh, Pastor Matt will be right beside the information desk. Uh, Blount County, uh, if you want to support, you want a scholarship, a student from Blount County student, if you'll talk to uh, uh, Pastor Zach or Miles or somebody, Pastor Miles, somebody that's over there and let them know at the Blount County or any of our campuses. And so, because we want, it's, it's a global event. And so students from all of our campuses are going and it's going to be great. Well, we're in a series called Roots through the book of Colossians. Are y'all enjoying it so far? Come on, y'all, 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 y'all enjoying it? <clears throat> well, we're about to take it to a whole nother level. Now, Faith Promise is a church, and a church is a garden where God grows people. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Or in Matt, Farmer Matt's vernacular, God is the gardener, and Jesus is the vine, and we are branches that produce fruit off the vine, and he wants us to do that. So the only way that we can reach our redemptive potential is to be rooted and grounded in Christ and in the house of God. Amen? Now, I'm talking to people that are here, but you got to be careful, especially young adults, deriving what you believe about church from the media or from the world. Jesus said, they hate me, they're going to hate you. They're going to, the darkness hates the light, they're going to hate you. And so we should not be shocked that the world has a bad taste in its mouth because of the church. Does that make sense? So there is no way to flourish if you are not rooted in the house of God. So man, I'm challenging you to be here, internet campus, a lot of folks are on vacation. You guys have a great uh, vacation. Glad you're, you're with us online. The church is a place where God grows people, rescued people, saved people. The Bible calls us saints, which means we are people that are set apart for the use of God. We are no longer common vessels of gold, of, of wood, and, and clay. We are now uncommon. We are now set apart vessels because we are to be used for God. Now, last week, we talked about the preeminence of Jesus. And I hope that you thought about that this week because I prayed every day that God will remind you of the seed sown last week, which is the apprentice of Jesus. So today, as we prepare our hearts for the table of the Lord at all of our campuses, what we're going to do this weekend is look exactly at what Jesus did for us, what salvation really is. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to look at some words out of the book of Colossians. Now, once you realize about salvation, what it really is, and you've received it, it should be enough to keep us worshiping for eternity. Would y'all agree with that? Matter of fact, if you're born again, 
If Jesus saved you and never did another thing for you, it's already beyond what we could ever, what we could ever ask. Is that right? And so shouldn't we be the most grateful people on the planet? Are you the most grateful people on the planet? Come on, somebody help me. Man, you guys, now listen, I'm just going to warn you, this is good sermon. And it's summer, and so you guys have sort of kicked it in a neutral. You need to put your spiritual seatbelt on because we're about to take this puppy off. Are y'all ready for that? You're not ready for that. Blount County, are y'all ready for it? Because we're about to get in the Word of God. It's amazing to me how many people take salvation and reduce it to a, just a mathematical formula because it's so much more than we could ever even fully comprehend in our minds. So what we're going to do is I've been meditating through the book of Colossians, getting ready for this series, a, a two groups of words just leapt off the page. And so the first group of words we're going to look at are words that describe you B.C., before Christ. And then we're going to look at a second set of words of what Jesus did for us in salvation. And then we're going to gather around the tables of the Lord and we're going to remember his death. We're going to celebrate that we are saved. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? All right. Word number one, chapter one, verse 21 of Galatians says this, and although you were formerly alienated, I've got the word alienated circled in my Bible. Alienated means to be shut out of or estranged from God. You're alienated. Men, have you ever been alienated from the bedroom and put on the couch? See, that's, that's a little piece of what this means. What this means is you are estranged. You are shut out of the throne room of God to the point that, or if you're listening, say I am, he doesn't even hear your prayers. You are shut out. You are estranged. You are, you are far from. God's not listening. Man, you are estranged from God. It goes on in that verse and said, not only are you estranged from God, but you're hostile in your mind towards God. You're hostile. The word hostile means hating or opposing or an enemy of. You are hostile. You say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was never an enemy of God. If you were saved at six, seven, eight, or nine and didn't experience some of the stuff that many of us did, if you were saved as an adult, you understand being an enemy of God. If you've been to a college classroom in the last two decades, you understand people that are enemies of God. Are y'all with it? Are y'all out there? You go sit in a college classroom of virtually any liberal arts college in America. They hate the church. They hate God. They rip it. They strip it. They shred it. They tread it. They just absolutely, why? Because they're hostile in their mind about God. Hostile. And so that's what we are before we get, we're saved. We're hostile in our mind. And let, me, let me just, let me, you say, well, I don't remember that. You were born on the devil's team. There are two teams, right? Right? They're God's team. There's devil's team. Everybody's born on the devil's team. Why? Because of mamma and papa, Adam and Eve. They sin, and that, that sucky stuff has transferred all the way to us. And so we're born sinners. If you've ever had a child, you understand born sinners. You do not have to teach your child to steal, cheat, and lie. Put two two-year-olds in a room with one toy, and you will see sinners. They will bite, scratch, gouge, punch, take. The first word they learn is mine, 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 mine. It is Gomer Paul reincarnated. Mine, 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 mine. What, why? That's how they're born. You don't have to pay extra for that. It's standard equipment. 
It's like a windshield. You don't pay extra if you buy a car. It comes with it. And so we're, we're hostile in our mind. We're born sinners. And then we get a loader. We choose to sin, don't we? We look at left and we look at right. We know right is right, left is wrong. We go left anyway, don't we? Come on. Somebody? Anybody? So we're hostile in our mind. The next is we're in, it says we're engaged in evil, in evil deeds, engaged. Now, again, if you were saved at an early age, you know, maybe you, you didn't get to see some of the stuff that the rest of us saw. But engage in evil deeds is to, is to have a corrupt nature or corrupt desires. And so that, that is us engaged in evil deeds. Matter of fact, would you like us to roll the tapes on the big screen of your life and let people see some of the stuff you've done behind closed doors? No, no, because we've been engaged in evil deeds. The world's, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, Jeremiah said. Who can know it? There's none that seek after God. There's God. God, there's none righteous, no, not one. That's us. We're, we're engaged in evil deeds. He goes on chapter 2, verse 13, and he says this. We were, you were dead in your transgressions. Ephesians says the same thing. Dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead means destitute of spiritual life, inactive in regards to the things of God, or inoperative. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and God said, don't eat of that tree, and they ate it anyway, right? They rebelled. They were, they were body, soul, and spirit trichotomy. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's three in one, and we were three in one, creating the image of God. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they died spiritually. In your spirit is where you commune and connect with God. So when you are born on the enemy's team, you're born body and soul. But your spirit is dead because of sin. And so the Bible says over and over and over, we were dead to God, inactive. We were, we were dead to him in respects to God, inoperative. He goes on and he says, not only were we dead, boy, you love this word, we are uncircumcised. Uncircumcised. Now, if you brought a child in this weekend to the big room, I hope on your way home, your child looks up and says, Mommy, what does circumcised mean? Because they're not talking about circumcision in the children's ministry this weekend. They don't use words like that. But if you brought them in, you're not supposed to, right? They're supposed to be in children's ministry. I hope they ask on the way home, nana, nana, boo-boo, you shouldn't have brought them. And so, and so the Bible says that we are uncircumcised, which means to be in a condition of corrupt desires are rooted in the flesh. When we were born, our flesh is the one that dominates us. It's the one that leads us. It is the corrupt. It's the old nature. We are uncircumcised. We, we, we have not. We've, and, and so, man, that is what we are in, in heart and nature. It goes on in verse 14. It says this in the middle of the verse, consisting of decrees against us. A decree is a public judgment. A public decree. That means that you've been to the God's court and you've been found guilty. And there's a public judgment listed for you. Since some of the larger cities, they had big, huge rocks and they would write your sins on the rocks that you were convicted of. And so, man, there's a public decree or judgment against us. Have we all sinned? Sure we have. There's, there is a public decree or judgment against you. 
that God has levied and put against you. Now, this is the condition before Jesus. Is this serious? You believe that? See, and the deal is to realize that we are hopeless and helpless without him. Nothing that we can do, we are powerless without him. But what is absolutely so cool, and I hope you, man, I hope you're still in the Bible reading plan that we're all on. I hope you're still in the Word. Matter of fact, it's our prayer that as we walk through Colossians, it is so salty, it makes you so thirsty for a drink of the water of the Word of God every day. Does that make sense? That's right, that's the desire. So let's go back, and now let's look, look at another set of words. We'll start in verse 13. Actually, we talked about a couple weeks ago in verse 12, it says that, that Jesus qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints. We talked about being qualified. Then Paul begins to roll through in verse 13 of what Jesus actually did for us. Again, there weren't verses when Paul wrote it. It's a letter, and so he's lining out for the Colossian church all the things. So he says in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 13, he rescued us. To be rescued is to be delivered. He's the rescuer or he is the deliverer. Years ago, there was a, and some of you may remember this, there was a campaign across America called I Found It. Yellow bumper stickers, I found it. There were billboards everywhere. And, and the it was Jesus. And it was a nationwide evangelistic campaign. I found it. I found it. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't found it. It found me. I didn't find Jesus. He found me. As a matter of fact, I was running as far and as fast as I could run from him. He was after me. He was convicting me. So the more he convicted me, the more stoner I stayed. That's bad grammar, but it's true. If I wasn't stoned when I went to bed, I would cry myself to sleep because God was after me. I was running. I was in sin. No reason for God. Man, and I, I was running from God. But listen, when the hound of heaven gets a bead on you, you might as well give it up. Now, if I'd have realized how good that it was by surrendering, I was surrendered a long time ago. You know what I'm talking about? But see, I was blind. Remember, dead. I was uncircumcised. I was evil. I was engaged in evil deeds. I was all those things that it says about us. I was, I was in opposition with God. He delivered us. He delivered me. This is the reason, gang, that one of our values is lost people matter more. I'm a, one of the reasons the American church is not growing is because the American church is so cotton-picking selfish. See, the, the, I talk to pastors across America and teach and do mentoring with church planters and all that kind of stuff. And I tell people all the time, listen, the most selfless thing a church can do is grow. Because if, if you grow, you've got to add services. You've got to preach more. I mean, I can't imagine a guy that preaches one sermon a weekend, one, one time a weekend. I'd be like semi-retired. Okay, you know, it, it just, and the most selfless thing, because you got to add services, you got to add seats, you got to add staff, you got to have buildings, you got to have parking places. If there's this big monster that you've got to manage, and it's the part that I, I really, I must be honest with you, I don't like managing the monster. That's why, but we have Pastor Josh that does the bulk of the admin, because I don't want to manage this beast. It's a beast. Now, you're not a beast, but it's a beast. And so, but most pastors, most churches are not growing. Over nine out of 10 are not growing. And so I'll say, well, how many services do you do a weekend? One? One? Why one? Well, because nobody comes. I said, because it's bad. <laughs> and they're horrified and offended. I said, listen, listen, 
Nobody invites people to a rottening. If you've got a barn in your backyard that's rotting and falling down, nobody goes to it. But set that sucker on fire and every neighbor you know will come watch it burn. Let God catch this church on fire and the world will come watch us burn for Jesus. Man, come on. I've said it for years. If there's a polar bear in the pulpit, there's ice cubes in the pews. And so listen, man, I want to be red hot. I want to be so salty every single week when you leave, you want to draw a big, long drink of God. Why lost people matter more? Because rescued people rescue people. See, most churches are just, hey, give me more of what I want. Feed me. Take care of me. Do, do everything for me. People say, you know, Pastor, I wish you'd preach longer. They're just smart people. And I say, you know, I'd love to preach for an hour, but what are we going to do about the other 1,500 people that are going to try to get in the building? Well, I hadn't thought about them. I said, I know. I know you haven't. And most people don't. But I get out of bed because people are still going to hell. And this church exists because people are still going to hell. And we are not going to mighty coddle. We are not going to soft soak so that saints can sit around and soak and sour and not do anything. We are going after the devil. We are going after souls. We are going to make it hard to go to hell for me, Tennessee. Why? Because we've been delivered. Let me tell you what else we've been. We've been transferred. It said we've been delivered, rescued been delivered, rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his marvelous son. Transfer means to move from one place to the other. Now, Farmer Matt was talking about his tomato plants weren't growing. And his tomato plants weren't growing because they weren't in the light. And what God did is he transferred you from one place to another. You're in the kingdom of darkness. He transferred you. He picked you up, and he took you out of the domain of darkness, and he has planted you into the kingdom of his marvelous son. So we've been transferred. Man, listen, I love being transferred. Don't y'all? Because I remember the debate of darkness, and I hated my life. And, I, man, I just lived under such guilt and shame, but I got transferred. To another kingdom. Listen, y'all might not be getting this, but this is good <laughs> stuff. He goes on and said, not only were we transferred from one kingdom to another, but he said we had redemption in verse 14. Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. To be redeemed means to be released by method of payment or ransom. You were held captive by the devil, chained by your sins, chained by your old nature, Dead, engaged in evil, hostile toward God, uncircumcised, all those things. And Jesus came to earth and bought you from the slave market of sin. You couldn't buy yourself. You couldn't pay for your sins. He bought you. Matter of fact, he, he redeemed us. Wishes to be taken out of the slave market and set free. John 8, 32. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Religion doesn't set anybody free. It goes from one chain to another chain, from one doctrine to another dogma. But when you've been set free, when you have been bought, see, that's why I'm a doulos. A doulos is a servant who was sold into servitude, served his or her seven years. When it was over, looked at the master and said, Master, you are so good to me, you are so gracious to me, that I'm going to give myself to you forever. And they would take him to the temple, 
mark their ear, and the master would own them. Every day in my journal, I say, Lord, today I'm a do loss. Listen, you set me free, and all I want to do is put a smile on your face. You set me free, and I want to serve you, love you, honor you, and bless you. You set me free, and I want to walk with you. I want to make a difference. I want to rescue those. God, I love you so much. I want other people to love you and see you the way I get to see you. Does that make sense? So I got a new grandbaby. She's beautiful, just smoking hot, five, five months old. She is gorgeous, and I want everybody to see her. But I love Jesus more, and I want everybody to see Jesus. Does that make sense? See, because when you love him, you want other people to love him. So not only did we have redemption, then it goes to say, redemption, the forgiveness, right or not, the, the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness means a pardon to be released from bondage or prison. And I love this part. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. As if the sin, sins had never occurred. See, God didn't say, okay, you're forgiven, I'm good. No, no, God throws them as far as the east is from the west. That means they're still going. There's no end to the east or west. Your sins are still going, just going farther and farther. And the only time God remembers my sin is when I remind him of it. Why? Because I've been forgiven, covered by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus as if I'd never even sinned. See, that's why I love the Lord's table. That's why I love salvation. Now, now what I'm going to do this week is I'm going to be praying all these words every day that God reminds you of what you were and reminds you of what he did for you. Because, listen, we live in a world that is set up against us to distract us from God. Does that make sense? To pull our attention and to pull our affection. Worry about weeds in the yard and the, man, all the stuff we got to do or build or the projects we're doing. We're worried about our money and retirement. We're worried about health care. We're worried about politics. We're worried about the stock market. We're worried about our jobs. And we get so consumed with this world that is a funhouse, smoke and mirrors, that it turns our attention from God, the things that are above to the things that are below. Does that make sense? And so, man, that's why I just want to be so salty and God in you to get in the word. He goes on in chapter 1, verse 20, and says, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Reconcile means to bring back to a former state of harmony. Now, when was there a former state of harmony with God? You got to go all the way back to the garden. Because there was harmony before there was sin, wasn't there? And when God forgives your sins, it's as if you've never sinned. I want you to listen to me, church. He wants to bring back the Edenic blessing. He wants to bring back the blessing he gave, the favor he gave Adam and Eve on you. Hasn't changed his love. See, he's trying, he wants to bring us back to a former state as if we had never sinned. And then I want you to see what, oh, this is so cool. It's verse 21. Look at this. He said, and though you were formerly alienated and hostile, yet he has reconciled you at a former state, in his fleshly body, in order that what? He may present you holy and blameless. To present means to stand beside or near. Now, how many of you know we're going to stand before God in heaven? Y'all know that? If you know it, say, I know. We're going to stand before God, and guess what's going to happen? Jesus is going to present us to the Father. He's going to walk up to the throne room of God and put his arm around us and say, Hey, Dad, it's one of ours. Right here, holy blameless. My blood has covered their sin. 
Man, can I present to you your new son? Can I present to you your daughter? See, God is the Lord Jesus that presents us to the Father. I've never represented any time, but I'm going to then. And God's going to say, enter into the joy of your master. Are y'all getting this? Because y'all not happy enough. Man, listen, come on. God's good. The Lord's going to present you to the Father. Come on. Now, let's get back to the C word. He goes on and says, I'm going to circumcise you. Except he goes on over and said, I'm going to circumcise you in a circumcision not made with hands. I'm going to circumcise your heart. And the word circumcision here means this, to change your nature. He cuts off the old, snip, snip. Cuts off. In one other service, a gentleman stopped me and said, hey, I just want you to know I'm 60. I had a surgery. I had circumcision seven days ago, and you about killed me in the message this weekend. <laughs> he said, every time you said the word, I jumped in my chair. I said, well, brother, I, man, I got it. Woo. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And so, see, we're gonna, he's going to circumcise us, which means he is going to cut away the old, and he's going to bring in the new, going to change nature. Now, this is my problem. This is where I struggle. I'm, can I just be honest for a minute? We're raw and real here, right? is that I'll get before God, and I, I, write, I journal my prayer because I have this spiritual ADD thing, and I can't stay focused. And so I'm writing my prayers, and I'll ask God a question. Hey, God, what do you think about this, or what do you want us to do about this, or how do you see this, or would you explain this to me? I ask God lots of questions. And so when I stop to listen, immediately my brain goes into overdrive and goes 5,000 different directions at once. Does that make sense? Now, maybe you, maybe, maybe you and the Father are just locked in, man. You're riveted. And what I've realized is that what happens when I'm trying to focus on God, my flesh, that old nature, will try to distract me from God. Does that happen to y'all? Am I the only unspiritual one in the house? Tries to distract my thinking. Tries to pull me away. But see, God circumcised. The Lord circumcised us and gave us a new nature. And so what I've come to learn is that for 22 years, I lived like hell. I was engaged in evil deeds. I was hostile. I was alienated. I was separated. I was uncircumcised. All those things that Paul said in the first part of this letter, I was all those things. And then I was, I was redeemed. I was purchased. I was paid for. I was presented. I was circumcised. But the problem is this. My brain had all these old wrong ways to think, all the baggage of the past. Are y'all with me? All that baggage in discipleship or sanctification, and that happens a great deal in groups. That's why you need to be in a group. But, but that, that process happens as we realize, okay, that thought is a wrong thought. I'm going to crucify that thought. That attitude is a wrong attitude. And I'm going to be I struggle with anger. Anybody in the house struggle with anger? I want to kill somebody <laughs> a lot. Two groups of people, either their last name is Stevens or they go to Faith Promise Church. Either one of those two groups, I have people in those groups. And, and, so, I, and so I'll tell the Lord, Lord, I, I, I don't want to be angry. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self, self, faithfulness, and self-control. There's nine of them. And I want to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I don't want the old man. I want to be circumcised. I want to think your thoughts. Are y'all with me? See, it's a battle to walk close to God. That's why, that's why one service a week is not enough. That's why you need to be in group. That's why you need to be with you and God every day. 
He circumcised you so that you could walk. In chapter 2, verse 13, he said, he, we were made alive together with him. Made alive means to be made alive with someone else. And so when Jesus died, we died. When he rose, we rose. So we are made alive. Remember we were dead in transgressions and sins? When we were saved, he made us alive. He resurrected our spirit. Does that make sense? He, he rose us up, and now we can walk. Now, the Bible says that the natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit, for the Spirit you praise. Now that we have this new spirit, new heart, now we understand the things of God. Now we see the things of God. Now we, now we walk in the things of God. Does this make sense? Somebody with me? And that, that's, so what, what, what we are made alive. Then let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. It's so cool. Chapter 2, verse 14. Are you ready? He canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, remember we talked about that we, were, that we had decrees against us? All guilty, right? Right? All guilty. All found guilty by God. And yet it said what Jesus did is he canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of these decrees. Canceled out means you obliterate. It means to wipe it out or to cover it with lime. Those big boulders, like you see the big boulder at UT? You paint your name on it the next day, it's been whitewashed and somebody else has painted their name. You know what I'm talking about? Well, you, when, when you've been found guilty by the judge, your sins are written on this big boulder, but Jesus comes with his blood and he wipes those sins away as if they've never happened. As if they've never happened. Cancel it out. See, his death paid our ransom and his blood covered our sins. That's why we gather around the table of the Lord, and we remember. See, what Jesus did for us is amazing. We could go through the rest of the New Testament, and we could find all kind of other illustrations. But Because what he did is so significant, he canceled out, obliterated. That's why he's so worthy of our worship. That's why he's so worthy of our love. Because we're not the same people, are we? If you're born, are you the same? If you're born again, are you not a different person? Sure you are because you were ransomed, you were redeemed, you were transferred, you were circumcised, your debts were canceled. All that stuff God did for you and so much more. He's so worthy. Now, we've got some learning to do, don't we? We've got some growing to do in the Word of God. We've got some transforming to do. And that's why we need to be rooted in Christ, rooted in Christ's Word, and rooted in the house of God. Does this make sense? Are you out there? I hear you breathing. And so it's what we do. Now, you can't be transformed if you don't realize what Jesus did for you. You, you. You'll never get it if you don't realize. So start. Salvation was the start, not the ending. See, so many people, well, I'm saved. I can go do what I want to. No, it means now you have, now you've been transferred. Now you're planted in the house of God. Now you have the light and the love of God. Now you're rooted in Christ. Now you're going to produce fruit. Now you're going to do great things. Does this make sense? So we remember his death. Give me one more word out of verse 23 of chapter 1. The biggest word in the Bible, and if. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established, rooted, let me tell you one of the number one marks how you can tell somebody is saved. Are you ready for listen? Say, I am. I am. You don't quit on Christ. I'm just telling you. I've seen people come and go through this church by the tens of thousands. 
And so many of them, they're not in church anywhere, and I'll run into them and say, hey, what's going on? What happened, man? I don't know. I got mad at you or the church or the devil or God or my wife or kids or something. Okay, how long have you been at church? Eight years. You're going to come back? No, probably not. Okay, can I tell you something? Listen, 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 listen. Probably not a believer. If indeed you stay firmly established, it's a big word, if. And we've got a lot of friends and family who tell you, hey, don't worry about me, I'm saved. They don't love God. They don't love the things of God. They don't love the word of God. They don't love the house of God. They would hate heaven. They'd hate heaven. And so instead of saying, oh, okay, you need to look at him saying, I'm concerned. Because listen, you don't seem to care at all about the things of God. So tell me how you're a Christ follower and you don't follow Christ. So Paul said, if indeed you continue firmly established, rooted in your faith, it's the mark. Now, as we've gone through all these words, let me tell you what some of you realize. There's some people, Blount County here, North, Anderson, Campbell Internet, you've realized that you've never really truly been saved. You've never been redeemed. You've never been rescued. You've never been circumcised. You've never spiritually. You've never been all these other things. You've never been pardoned. You've never had your debts canceled out. You may be religious, but listen, transferring sin to religion is one slave to another. It's one master to another. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. And so if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, we're going to pray with you what we call a confessional prayer. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus, just repeat after me. Just say, faith promise, we're going to pray this with him. Say, dear Jesus, I've been estranged, separated from you, and I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I confess you as my Lord. I want to live for you, follow you, love you, and serve you by faith. I want to be circumcised with the hands of heaven. Thanks for dying for me and coming out of the grave in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God praise as people are being saved. Now, campus pastors, if you guys would make your way out, praise teams all over campuses, if you'll make your way out, uh, we're about to turn it over to each campus, and the campus pastors are going to give instruction uh, for the table of the Lord at your campus, so you guys go ahead and take it. We love you. We'll see you guys next weekend. Now, Pellissippi, in just a minute, we're going to gather around these tables. Campus pastors are going to be up, prayer team to pray with people that will be across the front. Uh, to pray with you. But if you prayed that prayer with me, you gave your heart to Jesus, take the communication card in front of you and fill that out and put in the offering box. Or, or maybe you need baptism or maybe you need to get in a group or get to serve or sign up for next steps. Or after the service, you go to the next steps area and they'll help you get connected. And again, uh, when this the, a worship team is going to dismiss us, and if you want to be a part of scholarships for students, if you'll go out right beside the, at the Pellissippi campus, right beside the information, Pastor Matt will be out there, and you can find out more about that. We ought to be filled with gratitude, shouldn't we, church? So in just a second, as we begin to worship, just walk up here and take a broken piece of cracker. And then take a, a representing the body of Jesus that was broken for you, his death paid.
And then take a cup of this juice, representing his blood that was spilled for you, the cup of the new covenant in his blood. Walk back to your seat, take that cracker, say thank you, Jesus, for your body. And then drink that juice, say thank you, Jesus, for your blood. And then we're going to, we're just going to worship until everyone is done. Remembering. See, salvation wasn't just an event 2,000 years ago. It was a radical miracle. Amen. Sweet Spirit of God, would you land in this house like never before? Would you fill us with gratitude and awe that we have been redeemed, pardoned, forgiven, freed, that we have been circumcised, transformed, transformed, and transferred to your kingdom? Spirit of God, would you move during this worship? Would you move as we gather on your tables? Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, your body, your blood, and your resurrection. We'll never forget it, and we'll worship you forever for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,